Well, hello and welcome to this week's A Photographic Life. I often talk about and I often write about the need for photography to be less tribal. But over the last week, I noticed one particular tribe right up against an article that I'd written. And I thought it was worth exploring that in a little bit more detail. So let's talk about analogue. And more specifically, the title of the article that I wrote and posted at unitednationsofphotography.com was titled The Price of Analogue. The reason for me writing it was very straightforward. I'd seen a conversation on a closed Facebook group between a number of uh, professional, successful, well-regarded photographers talking about the fact that they could no longer afford to work with analogue photography for their projects. These photographers work across a range of formats from 35mm up to 5.4 and, in, and indeed to 10.8. So the figures that I put into the article about the price of shooting analogue were taken from my lo- local darkroom. I went straight there. It seemed to be a logical place to go. I didn't go to a big city dark room that would be marking up its prices i went to a local one which is still surviving which is fantastic news for those people who still want to use a professional dark room for processing and contacting and so forth i live in an area filled with energetic and well-established camera clubs and a strong hobbyist interest in photography and therefore that seemed to be a good place to go for a price list Unfortunately, the point that the analogue photographers picked up on were the prices that I'd put forward, suggesting that the prices were deliberately high, so it made it seem as if I was anti-analogue. Some people said I was anti-analogue. I pointed out that over the last two episodes of this podcast, in fact, three episodes of this podcast, we've had analogue photographers um, contributing. I'm no way anti-analogue. But what I am is, I think, a realist in a digital world. What I'm really talking about here, I suppose, is not just the price of the analogue imaging, but the point that was put forward by the analogue photographers who seem to get particularly angry with me on Twitter for even suggesting that analogue was expensive and perhaps too expensive was the fact that they had found ways of getting analogue photography done for them on the cheap. And that's absolutely fine. But whatever price you pay per image within analogue photography, you're always going to pay more than with digital. The point was made that digital photography was so expensive and digital cameras were so expensive. Well, this is such an old-fashioned and retrograde argument. You can pick up good digital cameras now for really very little money and actually much more than, uh, I should say much less than analogue cameras, which are now selling on places like eBay at extortionate prices. So that price point with digital isn't an issue. It was also raised that you have to buy hard drives and you have to buy laptops and all of that kind of stuff. Well, yeah. You may have to buy them, but the chances are you've probably got access to them for other parts of your life anyway. You've also got that smartphone in your pocket, which is a digital camera. So the argument about analogue against digital isn't good versus bad. It isn't right versus wrong. And I put in the article that it was very important, I felt, to understand that many photographers were working with analogue 
for the aesthetic. And that works for me. I get that. I understand that. There is no problem there. Some photographers say to me, working with analog, it slows you down. It slows down the process. I don't buy that. Working with digital, I can go as fast or as slow as I ever wanted to go. Are we then to say that analog photographers who were working in sports areas or conflict zones weren't working quickly? Well, of course they were. The choice and the control of how we work is always with us as the photographers. So there's another element there of analog that doesn't really work. I did notice that a lot of the analog photographers who spoke out were of an age where perhaps they had been formally trained within analog photography at some kind of college or workshop and so forth. That therefore gives them an understanding that their hit rate is probably going to be a lot higher than somebody just starting out. Which then raises the question, what is most important? Practice or process? Well, for me, it's important to understand that photography is about composition, it's about light, it's about subject matter, it's about telling stories, it's about understanding shape and form and composition and texture and juxtaposition and all of these different things. All of which it's much easier to learn with, experiment with and practice with, with a digital camera. We can shoot and shoot and shoot. We can see the image immediately. We can make adjustments. We can work with that. We cannot do that with analogue. And the idea that every single frame on a roll of film is going to be successful is really almost arrogant. I know that I worked as an uh, analogue photographer from roughly 1998 to 2006 on commission. And I had to know how my light meter worked when I was working with that Hasselblad. I had to understand light. And I taught myself. I wasn't trained. I had no darkroom practice experience. I learned on the job. But someone else was paying for my film and processing. The client. I wasn't having to pay for it myself. And I know that if I'd have had access to digital cameras, that journey to understanding would have been a lot quicker and perhaps also a lot more efficient and maybe made me a better photographer. It's like I always say that if you're working with moving image and stills image, that creativity you explore with the moving image always impacts positively on the stills work. Now, as you can see, I'm not getting into a camp. I'm not setting myself down with any particular tribe. I am very uh, positive about analog photography. I'm very positive about digital photography. But I'm also very positive about appropriateness and also being realistic. Somebody also said to me, well, in that case, do you feel that students should be taught analogue as part of a photographic course? I have to put my, my colours to the mask at this point. No, I don't think it's appropriate. I think it's fun. I think it can be enjoyable. Is it going to make them better photographers? I don't think so. I haven't seen a convincing argument for that. Is it going to make them photographers who might want to explore analogue in the future? Yes, it may be. But they've got to be made aware that that experimentation comes with a cost. The idea of the darkroom in the college, the darkroom in the university, the idea of paying very little and being happy with just getting a result 
soon fails when you realise that actually what you want to achieve is something of a much higher quality. It's going to take you many hours in a darkroom to build up your printing skills. You're going to get through a lot of film and processing. You're going to get through a lot of chemicals before you get to that point of actually being a successful photographer in your eyes. So let's not get into tribes. Let's not try and throw stuff around the room. But let's also try and be realistic and not cling on to the past just because it's what we learned. Maybe we need to be a little bit more open about where we are today and where we're going to tomorrow. This week, I'm pleased to announce that James Oatway is joining us to explain what photography means to him in less than five minutes. James was born in 1978 in South Africa and grew up in Falaborwa, a small copper mining town. He graduated from Rhodes University with a Bachelor of Journalism degree in 2000 before working as the chief photographer and picture editor of the Sunday Times newspaper. His work revolves predominantly around themes of social inequality and people affected by conflict. Together with photographer Alon Sukhoi, Otway published a photographic book about xenophobic violence in South Africa called Brother, published in 2021. And he's also the co-author of a book, The Battle of Bangwoi, also published in 2021. He works extensively on the African continent and often collaborates with humanitarian organisations such as UNICEF, UNHCR and Médecins Sans Frontières. His work has been published in The Guardian, Stern, Internationale, Le Monde, Time, Paris Match, The New York Times, The Wall Street Journal, The LA Times and many others. Otway has received various international awards, including multiple Pictures of the Year international awards. And uh, in 2015, he was named the South African Journalist of the Year. And in 2018, his Red Ants project won the prestigious Visa de or Feature Award at the Visa Pour Image Photojournalism Festival in Perpignan. He has taught documentary photography at the Marquette Photo Workshop in Johannesburg and he's affiliated to Panos Pictures in London. My apologies to James for getting so much stuff wrong in my pronunciations, but as always, I'm just doing my best. Over to you, James. My name is James Otwe. I'm a South African photojournalist. Photography has had different meanings to me. My first introduction to photography was through my dad's old Pentax K1000 camera. I was very lucky as a child. I lived near the Kruger National Park and I used to visit quite often with my family. Inevitably, I would end up using the camera to take some shots. My mom was really good at photography and even won a wildlife competition once. I think I was about seven or eight years old. And this was the moment when I first learned that people actually placed value in photography and that it had a use other than capturing family moments. To give a little bit of context, the new independent South Africa was only two years old when I finished school. So there was a lot going on in the country. After finishing university, I was given the opportunity of doing an internship at the Star newspaper. This was in the year 2000. So the Star was quite famous then. The department had dozens of photographers coming and going, 
and many of these photographers were tremendously generous with their knowledge and experience and I quickly realized that my university course had left me woefully inadequate when it came down to the practical nuts and bolts of photography. In my first week there, I had the opportunity to photograph and later on even meet Nelson Mandela, which was a huge moment for me. Funnily enough, I used that same Pentax K1000 of my dad's to take some of those pictures. Anyway, that moment was when I realized that this is what I really wanted to do. I later managed to get a job at a small daily newspaper in a coastal town, and that would be the first of several newspapers that I would end up working for. Those days were often very exciting, and I learned a huge amount in a short space of time. It was a very intensive learning experience, um, which I think I ultimately benefited from quite a bit. At that time, for me, photography was an exciting vehicle, which I used to explore South Africa. South Africa was a country where I'd lived in a very sheltered and protected environment like most white South Africans. And I realized that I knew precious little about my home country. Photography and specifically photojournalism, because I think it's important to emphasize that, would introduce me to this country up very close and very personally. So it would also take me on a personal journey from a naive and inexperienced youth to an adult along, you know, quite a quite a bumpy road sometimes. There were times during my newspaper career that I became quite bored and disillusioned with photography. A lot of my assignments I considered as being quite frivolous or boring. Um, you know, celebrity stuff, entertainment stuff. I just didn't find them very meaningful. And I realized that for fulfillment, you know, I needed to concentrate on shooting things that were important to me. Also, as a newspaper photographer, I found that many of the photos that I took would only scratch the surface of, of an issue. And these days, I think that documentary photography is much more useful in holding up a mirror to society and informing how people think of certain social issues, even driving change sometimes. The meaning of photography changed for me once again when I left my job to become a freelancer. The first few months were really hard, so I began working on my own project. And this was a story about an infamous South African eviction squad called the Red Ants. Luckily, or unluckily, I didn't have many other jobs coming in to keep me busy, so I had a lot of time, and I was able to immerse myself completely in, in the story. As I spent more and more time working on it, I began to realize that the body of work I was building up touched on many of the key issues affecting South African society. Themes of inequality, migration, politics, and violence, and I really saw the, the potential and the power of proper in-depth photography. I'm not really driven to shoot aesthetically beautiful images, but what I want, I want my images to evoke thought and emotion in the viewer. I want people to look at my pictures and feel something or learn something, and I want them to remember the picture. So what does photography mean to me? I think, you know, in, in essence, I think that photography has a very personal meaning to me. I don't see it as a job or a career. It's more like a, a part of who I am as a human being. Um, it's definitely, it's a language that I use to communicate with. 
I think it's, it can be quite a lot of things. But, you know, I think above all, it's, it's definitely very personal. Thank you, James, for your contribution this week. A couple of interesting points to pick up on there. Once again, the passing of the camera from the parent or the friend becomes the instigation of a career. And also, I think, sort of tying in with what I was saying at the beginning of this episode about the idea of teaching analogue at um, universities or colleges, um, James there saying how university hadn't really prepared him for what he was about to do, which was to work as a photographer. And I think that ties very well in with that idea of understanding where photography is going and where photography is and preparing students or anybody, actually, who wants to make photography their career, their life, their profession, making sure that they get told what they need to to be told that's appropriate for now. Someone recently asked me for some advice about learning and improving their photography, and I said this, look, listen, learn, and go slowly. There is, in my opinion, little more to say. The issue comes about with those expecting a magic formula for instant success or for photography to be easy. And I think James there very clearly outlining the reality of the long game and also emphasising the importance of the personal in the work. I would always strongly argue that the journey is often more rewarding than the artefact itself, and that if it was easy, we would all soon get bored with the process of making images. Let's be honest, nothing easy is really worth doing. So thank you very much, James, for your contribution this week. It's been quite a... um, forthright episode. It's not always like this, but I felt it was important to talk out about that analogue story, as I do feel it raises a number of issues. If you're enjoying this podcast, then what I'd ask you to do is let other people know about it. I've had a whole load of emails come through in the last week, which have been really positive, and a lot of people making interesting comments, not just saying it's good or they enjoy it, but actually picking up on points that I've made and kind of reflecting on how they feel about those conversation pieces. And that's the point of what we do here. It's not a rant station. It's not a rant platform or a soapbox for me to just say what I think is right or wrong. It is a, co- a question, I suppose, of occasionally some people in the photographic world standing up and speaking out, which I don't think happens very often. So I take on that role, I take on that robe, and I'm more than happy to debate fiercely with anybody else who disagrees with me. As I always say, we don't have to agree, but it's a good idea. I always think to never be abusive, never be disrespectful, never be condescending, and just respond to what people say. As I said, we're not here to be liked, but we are here, I think, all of us as photographers, to communicate. Actually, that's all this really is, is a form of communication for you to have a think about. I know some of you are listening to this podcast in the car. I know some listen to it whilst they're walking the dog. And I heard of somebody this week who's even listening to it on his motorbike in his helmet. I'm not sure that's a very good idea, but it definitely confirms the reason why I end every episode in the same way with the same two words. And those words are, as you know, take care. Mm -hmm.